Hello there, and welcome to our Bible study here at the St. Paul Church. I greet you with Jesus' joy on this Thursday, and we're certainly delighted and elated for all of those who are joining us online. I see in the chat uh, many of you all who are joining us, and we thank God for your presence. Uh, as we prepare to study the Word of God, as far as today's sharing is concerned, I want to finish up what I've been on for the last two weeks, and that's uh, Ephesians chapter 5, verses 1 through 7. That's where we will focus as far as today is concerned. However, before I get started, let us have a word of prayer as we center and seek what it is that God wants to do in this time that is ours. God, we come to you right now on this Thursday, first and foremost, to thank you for the wonderful opportunity to study your word, to grow, to become more like you. And as we deal with these lessons on becoming disciples of Jesus Christ, we pray, God, that by the power and presence of your Holy Spirit, that you, the master teacher, would show up. Teach us your precepts. Let your word be a lamp unto our feet and a light unto our pathway. Show yourself strong and mighty as only you can. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. All right. Ephesians chapter 5. Ephesians chapter 5, verses 1 through 7. Um, a lot of good territory that we want to cover as far as today is concerned. I'll be reading it from uh, the New King James Version of Scripture, and you can follow along whatever translation you may have. It reads like this. Therefore, be imitators of God as dear children. Circle the word imitators. Verse two, and walk in love. Highlight the phrase walk in love. As Christ also has loved us and given himself for us, an offering and a sacrifice to God for a sweet smelling aroma. If you would. Uh, highlight the phrase and offering and sacrifice to God for a sweet smelling aroma. Verse three, but fornication and all uncleanness or covetousness, let it not even be named among you as is fitting for saints, neither filthiness nor foolish talking nor coarse jesting which are not fitting, but rather give thanks. Highlight those two verses. For this you know that no fornicator, unclean person, nor covetous man who is an idolater has any inheritance in the kingdom of Christ and God. Verse six, let no one deceive you with empty words for because of those things, the wrath of God comes upon the sons of disobedience. Highlight that. And then verse seven, therefore do not be partakers with them. Underline that. Got a lot that we want to cover and we're really talking about living holy. And so it's a lot that, that we, we need to cover uh, as far as that's concerned. And so let me just kind of give an overview of what Paul is trying to help us to appreciate. 
Because Paul wants us to understand that if we are God's children, we should be imitating God. Let me say it again. If we are God's children, we should be imitating God. And we should be imitating God through our love, just as Christ loved us and gave himself for us. So he wants us to understand that the idea of self-centeredness, narcissism, uh, should not be uh, how we flow. Uh, and he lists those self-centered vices in both conduct and speech. Talked about uh, fornication or sexual immorality. Um, talked about being greedy. He talked about uh, our language, obscenity, foolish talk. Uh, all of that stuff is out of place for Jesus followers because those vices bring harm rather than help. And he said that the idea of giving thanks is very helpful. Uh, Danny really tells us that what we have to be careful about is hanging out with unbelievers. Um, he said, because they basically disregard who God is and what God is all about. And Paul really drills it home in verse six by saying, this is not just empty words, but those who are sons and daughters of disobedience will partake in the wrath of God. So let's, let's do this drill down and let's look at uh, uh, verse uh, five and one, being imitators as dear children. Paul wants us to understand that God loved us so much that God allowed for Jesus Christ to take our place so that we might live. And we ought to be imitating God by following the example of Jesus Christ, that we ought to be having the attributes, the character, the ethics of Jesus being demonstrated in our lives. Uh, that is seen in the act of forgiveness, that is seen in the act of sacrifice. Now, Let's, let's be real. This is a process. Our relationship with God through Jesus Christ and the power given to us through the spirit, we become more Christ-like in our characteristics and obedient disciples in our lifestyle. Now, when we're talking about being imitators, um, Paul wants us to understand that what is happening as we are growing in Christ that the imprint of the divine as far as character, how we behave, what we do is being, watch this, stamped or imprinted upon us. That you and I should walk so close to God through Jesus Christ that Jesus imprints on us his nature. And what does that look like? Loving, serving, sacrificing, pleasing God the Father. Stay close to Jesus through our Bible study, through our prayer, through fellowshipping with one another, through sharing the gospel, evangelism. So we're always in position to be transformed into the image of God through Jesus Christ. So we're called to be what? Imitators, not of the culture, imitators 
of God. And he talks about how we ought to walk in love. And that concept of walking in love basically, basically means that we ought to be living our lives in such a way that love is demonstrated. And folks can see love oozing uh, from us. That our love for others should be the same kind that Christ showed for us. It is a love that goes just beyond mere affection to really serving. Christ loved us so he gave himself as an offering and a sacrifice. Jesus died on the cross for all of our sins. Okay. Jesus gave himself for everyone, even though everyone will not accept Jesus. So this sacrifice is available to all of humanity, even though everybody will not accept him. And then Paul talks about how the sacrifice of Jesus was a sweet smelling aroma to the nostrils of God. It became acceptable to God. And it kind of reminds me of when uh, Cain and Abel gave a sacrifice in Genesis chapter four and God accepted Abel's offering and rejected Cain's offering because God knew the heart. So guess what? You and I, we are called to love one another. And this love ought to be demonstrated among the saints in the household of God. In other words, we ought to have this love in the church. I want to drive this home. You and I ought to be demonstrating this love among our brothers and sisters in Christ. And then Paul really starts talking about, watch this, behavior, lifestyle. Talks about sexual immorality. Um, uh, and he is really driving home this point of fornication, uncleanliness, covetousness. That should not even be a hint among the saints because he is saying it is not fitting for us. Sexual immorality was tolerated among the pagan society. It was tolerated among the Greeks. Uh, they had all kinds of stuff that was going on as far as sexual immorality. If you can think of it, they did it back then. Let me say it again. If you can think of it, they did it back then. And Paul is saying that for us as Christians, that should not be how we act and govern ourselves as far as um, the saints are concerned, because it gives a bad, bad taste to the culture and it gives a bad, bad taste as far as God is concerned. And then he really drills down and he talks about how um, neither filthiness nor foolish talking nor coarse jesting, which are not fitting, but rather give thanks. Now, I want to unpack this in, in a very meaningful way because what Paul wants us to understand is that when it comes to our uh, sexual immorality, when it comes to our being jealous of one another, when it comes to filthiness, when it comes to crazy talking, that should not be even a hint, even a hint as far as the saints are concerned. 
And so Paul wants us to understand that we have to be in control of our bodies. We have to be in control of our mouths. We have to be in control of our language. We have to be in control of our lifestyle. Right. Um, I, I've seen shirts that where people say I'm a Christian, but I cuss a little. Um, that 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 may be cute for the culture, but that is not what God desires. Um, um, and so we really have to be very mindful of what we're putting out as far as the culture is concerned, because there ought to be some difference between us and the culture. So launching into verse four, when, when Paul is talking about uh, this coarse language or obscenity and coarse joking were so common that uh, folks took it for granted back then and we take it for granted in today's culture. Paul wants us to understand that even improper language should have no place as far as Christian conversation, because where is God glorified in that? I think we have to, here, here, here's what we got to wrestle with. Here's what we got to wrestle with when it comes to whatever we do as far as life, language, living, our concern, is what we do bringing God glory. I think that's one of the fundamental questions we have to wrestle with is does what we do bring God glory? Okay. That's, 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 that's what we have to wrestle with. Uh, does, does what we do bring God glory? So as, as Paul is really unpacking um, language and lifestyle uh, Paul wants us to understand that our obscene, silly, vulgar talk ought to be replaced with, watch this, thanksgiving. Thanksgiving. Giving thanks about the real joy that God brings to our life. Giving thanks as far as the spirit is concerned that worldly people try to achieve with their own style of humor and communication. All right. Paul didn't mean that all other talk is vulgar. Rather, he commanded against the foolish and vulgar talk that harms the spiritual life. Y'all get me? Okay. All right. Um, Paul, Paul, Paul wants us to understand nothing wrong with laughing, nothing wrong with, with, with communication and things like that. But Paul wants us to understand that any type of lifestyle or language that harms our spirituality, we ought to avoid. Okay. Again, I know this is a process. I know this is a process. And so what, what, what I want to say is, is that if you came to Christ and you really had a filthy bad mouth, uh, and if you've been in Christ for a while, that stuff ought to be diminishing greatly. You shouldn't be cussing as much. <laughs> all right you, you shouldn't be talking bad as much you shouldn't be gossiping as much you shouldn't be lying as much okay now i know this is a major major drill down 
But this is really what Paul is hammering home as far as being a follower of Jesus Christ, because there ought to be some distinctions among us. We should not look so much and sound so much like the world or like the culture. All right. And then, then, then Paul really, really nails it home for us because he says that no fornicator, unclean person, anyone jealous who is an idolater has an inheritance in the kingdom of God and Christ. Okay. Immorality, impurity, and greed are compared to idolatry because those desires have become like God's. And if you have any other gods before the real God, you can't inherit the kingdom of God. All right. Sin, I want you to hear me. Hear me well, because I know we don't like to talk about sin in 2023, but sin, no matter what its form, no matter what's its category, separates people from God. And unrepentance leaves people without hope and inheritance. Only by turning our back to sin, accepting the sacrifice of Jesus, allowing for Jesus to be the Lord of our lives, can we obtain the inheritance of God's kingdom. I hope I'm making some sense. So here, here, here's, here's where, where I want to drill down. And, and I want you to hear my heart. I want you to hear it well. Paul is not saying avoid all unbelievers because you got to evangelize. You got to talk to them. Even Jesus was friend to sinners. Okay. Jesus sat down with sinners, had dinner with sinners. All right. He was known as a friend of sinners. Okay. Hear me well. But just because Jesus had dinner with sinners and was a friend of sinners, he did not engage in sin. Teach, pastor. I'm trying to do the very best I can. Um, uh, Jesus changed the environment rather than allowing for the environment to change him. This is what Paul is really trying to help us understand. Paul is saying that the lifestyle of people who make excuses for bad behavior and recommends this practice to others, whether they're in the church or outside of it, we got to be wary of them because they will pollute the church and they will endanger our purpose and our unity. I hope I'm making sense. What Paul wants us to understand is we got to befriend unbelievers because we're called to lead them to Christ. We got to uh, uh, converse with unbelievers because we ought to be sharing the gospel. But we got to be wary of those who are viciously evil immoral or opposed to all that Christianity stands for. And we see this in the politics of this country. We see it in the business practices of this country. We see it in the cultural nuances that take place. We must be careful about folks who are just evil, immoral, and opposed to everything that Jesus stands for. Those people are most likely to influence even good Christians to do wrong, then we are able to influence them to come to Jesus. Okay? All right? 
I hope because here's what I want to impress upon you. And if you don't get anything else, get this. The majority of us in the church ain't strong enough to handle being in the environment of those who are culturally worldly and not falling prey. Because honestly speaking, the majority of us in the church are babes and we've been babes for a long time. We don't have a lot of mature folks in the church that are able to say, no, I ain't flowing like that. No, I ain't doing that. No, that ain't going to be my role, rule, and reason. And let me just throw this out there because unfortunately, social media gives a whole lot of Christians bad names because we got church folks that put everything on social media and then, you know, uh, we're going off on folks on social media, cussing folks out on social media and then said, bless the Lord. Okay. Or, 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 or are we getting sloppy drunk and putting it on social media or we're doing crazy stuff on social media. Then, you know, we want to talk about bless the Lord. Oh, here's a good one. Here's a good one. You ever seen, you ever seen, um, um, people at the award shows. And this is unfortunately the cultural nuances that we find ourselves having to deal with. You ever seen folks on cultural shows? I mean, on, like the Oscars and the Emmys and the Grammys, uh, and particularly, particularly when it comes to music. Got music that is just so filthy. Degrade women, talking about shooting, game banging, all that stuff. And then when they win the award, first thing they say is, I want to thank, I want to thank God for you. Really? You want to thank God that the Lord allowed for you to win an award where you degrade women, where you uh, talked about game banging, where you talk about gun violence and using you. You want to thank God for letting you win an award where you desecrated humanity? Really? Really? <laughs> Ah, there's a standard. There is a standard. There's a standard. There's a standard. There, there, there is a standard. Oh. So, Paul saying, now, I don't want you to think I'm just saying something. This is not empty words. It's not empty words. Uh, keep doing this stuff and you will experience the wrath of God that comes upon the sons of disobedience. And, 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 and Paul says, don't, don't be partakers with that. In other words, don't act like them. Here it is. And let me tell you, let me tell you what, what, what Paul is dealing with as he gives this admonition. Because Paul was dealing with false teachers who had begun to come into the, the early church. And, and 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 this is what they were teaching. They were teaching that if you say by grace, you can do whatever you want to. 
That means you're free. You're free from laws. You're free from rules. You're free to do as you please. And Paul's like, no, that ain't it. It's, 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 it's a lot better than that. When you're in Christ, you are free to become everything that God will have for you to be. You are free from the cultural mores that try to govern your life. You are free, but here's, check this out. I know, I know I'm messing. I know, I know folks don't like talking about it. There's a standard. There's a standard. There, there, there's a standard. And folks ought to be able to tell the difference between us and the world. There's a standard. And, and, and so, and so, and so these false teachers were teaching this false doctrine, probably even trying to make evil seem less serious by saying it's natural, you know. Here it is. Though I put gave you them sexual urges. Do as you please. You know. Uh, the Lord wouldn't put that desire in you if he didn't want you to waste it. And that's why people waste money and waste possessions and become greedy. And they say, well, you know, uh, you wouldn't have greed if God didn't put it in you. No, 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 no. Here's what I want to drive home to you. The false teachers made up a doctrine that allowed for sinful living. And Paul was telling them, telling the believers don't be deceived by their empty words because it has no weight. It has no depth. They are empty because it ain't nothing but lies. And guess what? We have that going on in today's culture. You know, where, 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 you know, there, 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 there's even someone talking about, you know, um, um, doing some things with cannabis and, and the church or selling weed in, you know, in the church. Listen, y'all, we got to be better than that. Got to be better than that. We, we got to be better than that. Yeah. Um, I'm, I'm not. I'm not. You ain't. You, you, yeah. Yeah. I, I, you know, I don't care what the culture does. There's some things that we don't have to subscribe to just because the culture said do it. Or there's some things we don't have to do because it's legal. Everything that is legal is not moral. Okay. <sighs> so, so as, as Paul, as Paul is writing about this, as Paul is writing about this, uh, Paul, Paul is warning the people at Ephesus against these deceptions, these half truths. Okay, these plausible arguments that sound good, but they really lies. And empty words really make God sick and angry. So, 
so so here here here's where the drill down. Those who think they can continue in sin as a part of their freedom will understand that they were never free, but they were in time. Uh, they were all the time enslaved to their sins, and eventually they will face God's wrath in both the present and the future. And folks who continue to do that may not necessarily be here. It is saved. Okay. Therefore, because of God's wrath on sin and because of sinful activities that are incompatible with life in the kingdom. Paul told the believers, don't be associated with people who pretend to be Christian and practice permissiveness. Because as true believers, we are saved from the old to participate in the new. All right. Now, here is. Here is where I drill home all that I've said and call it a day. I'm about to about to about to wrap up. I've heard somebody say it is best to be feared than to be loved. <laughs> and, and let me, if I could, deal with this. Most of us would say, yeah, love is is, is a lot better motivated than fear. And, and it's best to do something for anyone out of a position of love than out of fear of the consequences for not doing it. Yeah, that's fine. I get it. And, and this applies to our Christian conduct as well. But here's what Paul is really trying to drill home to us. Paul felt the need to address the distortion or the negative side of obedience. In other words, what happens when we disobey? And, and Paul is saying that the wrath of God comes to those who disobey. So, so if I could, let me put it this way. And if you don't get anything else today, get this. Obey God and let's serve one another out of love. Obey God. Let's serve each other out of love. But when, for whatever reason, you ain't motivated by love, let fear motivate you. The fear of being exposed to the wrath of God. Because in a perfect world, in a sinless world, all we need is love. But in this world, because of sin, sometimes being afraid of what God will do works quite well, too. Even if it causes us or scares us straight. <laughs> so look at your motives, learn to listen to the love of God so that you and I don't need to be afraid of God's wrath and not be partakers with those who walk in darkness. Well, uh, that's my lesson for today. <laughs> I hope. I hope this is this has uh, uh, helped encourage you and and blessed you. Um, 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 I hope this has blessed you. Next week we're going to talk about being compassionate, and I want to look at Luke chapter ten. Luke chapter ten. Um, 
verse 25 through 37, Luke chapter 10, verse 25 through 37, we're going to talk about uh, the Good Samaritan and uh, showing compassion. And we want to unpack that in a very meaningful way. Uh, so Luke chapter 10, verse 25 through, through 37. So uh, I am done uh, as far as our time together. Uh, before I close out, let me see if there are any questions that any of you all have as far as chat is concerned. Any questions uh, as far as chat is concerned? Any questions? Any questions? Uh, any questions? All right. Uh, if not, uh, just want to remind you of a couple of things. First thing is, Sunday morning at two o'clock or before you lay down and go to sleep on Saturday night, move your clocks ahead one hour. Move your clocks ahead one hour or you will miss church on Sunday. Secondly, looking forward to you all joining us on Sunday, either virtually or in physical form as far as worship is concerned. Want to thank you all for your generosity as far as uh, goods are concerned to send to our brothers and sisters in Liberia, the giving that you have uh, shared as far as that's concerned, uh, we thank God for that. So let me see, someone said, being saved when sin, will God hold it against you? Being saved when sin, will will God hold it against you? Um, yeah, you got, to, you got to deal with the consequences of that um, as far as that's concerned. So God chastises those of us who are his children and um, God chastises those of us who are his children. Uh, and so that's the discipline. And so, yeah, God deals with that. Uh, someone asked, please explain why you question the salvation of anyone. Here's the deal. So uh, it ain't a question of salvation. Uh, it is here, 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 here it is. There is what is called the eternal security of the believer, the, the blessed assurance of the believer. And the blessed assurance of the believer, Sister Karen, boils down to this, that when people are born again, because someone said, can you lose your salvation? And here's my contention on that. You can't lose what you never had. And so people join church or people who are saved can't lose their salvation. So if you're really saved, you can't lose your salvation. But that's going to be demonstrated in your lifestyle and in your growth and development known as sanctification. So one of two things really happen. So number one, uh, people who don't grow, they have not been taught or they don't know what their expectations are. Or number two, they're not really saved. And I'm on good biblical ground, good theological ground of saying that. So any of the question of anyone's salvation it is, it is uh, a fact that either you're saved or you're not. There's no such thing as being a little saved. That's like saying for a woman, I'm a little pregnant. You're either pregnant or you're not. You're either saved or you're not. And it is demonstrated in our growth and development. Jesus says, <laughs> Jesus said, and watch this, and it ain't based upon your works. Jesus said, it's going to be those on the day of judgment going to say, 
Lord, we cast out demons in your name. We heal the sick. And Jesus is going to say, depart from me, you work of iniquity. I don't know who you are. Because they did works of church. They did works of church, but they did not do uh, the life of church. So, Sister Karen, I've taught this in new members class. And um, uh, we can talk about uh, that as far as... Um, the aspect of the eternal aspect of, of salvation that comes through as far as uh, eternal security is concerned. And like I said, I have taught this in our new members class here at the church. So it ain't a matter of you losing salvation. It is not a matter of you losing salvation. Uh, it is a matter of you understanding uh, that either you're saved or you're not. And that is demonstrated as far as our lifestyle is concerned, our growth and development that takes place through the process known as what we would call sanctification. And let me see, what biblical grounds do you provide clarification on? Well, we can look at, first of all, we can look at John chapter um, uh, three, uh, verses 1 through 21, where Jesus is dealing with um, uh, those who come who, who come to Christ and those who are born again, uh, those who are born of the flesh, uh, remain in flesh, those who are born of the spirit are of the spirit. And he talks about how we are called to be born again. So that being born again is more than just saying a prayer it is you repenting of your sins, confessing of your sins, becoming what God would have for you to be. So John chapter one, verses, um, verses um, John chapter three, verses one through 21. But then also at the same time, um, somebody said new birth with Nick at night. <laughs> uh, also at the same time, we have to understand that there ought to be a sanctification process. And Paul deals with this, particularly in the writings of Romans chapter five uh, through Romans chapter eight, uh, when he talks about how in Christ, there is no condemnation. So you are either in Christ or you're not in Christ. And if you're in Christ, there is a sanctification process where the conviction of the Holy Spirit is... Uh, changing you and morphing you to become what you want to be. So I'm on great biblical ground of saying either you're saved or you're not. And that is demonstrated um, as far as our walk with God and our development. Now, some folks don't want to hear that. And, um, um, uh, you know, that's, that's where you are as far as that's concerned. Um, but uh, I think I stand on great biblical ground uh, in, in saying that. All right. Okay. Uh, if there aren't any other questions or, or, or comments, um, it is my hope and prayer that this has, has blessed you as far as our time together is concerned. And we're going to, um, get ready to close out as far as prayer is concerned. And as we prepare to close out in prayer, um, and if you feel led to, to give, you're more than willing and able to, to do that 
as far as giving is concerned. Um, let me see. I do. Let me let me let me mention this as as far as the scripture is concerned. Also, look at John six thirty seven as far as assurance of salvation, and uh, Hebrews five eleven, and then also when we talk about sanctification, First Corinthians chapter six, uh, and I think um, Hebrews ten ten will help as well. So. Uh, that's that. All right. You're more than, than, as I was saying, you're more than, than led to, if you feel led to give, you're more than, than able to do that. And you can give in a variety of ways here at St. Paul Church. One of them is by dropping off check of cash here at the church. Um, or you can and call the church office to make sure someone is here to receive check cash money order. If you decide to drop it off or you can mail check or money order to the church at 1401 Allen Street, Charlotte, 28205. You can also give through our church website, ACS Church Life, or you can give through the app called Givelify. And uh, if you give, you can give it under TNT Bible Study and, and get credit as far as that's concerned. Um, so uh, with that, we're going to call it a, a, a day and um, one day I'm gonna really teach on judging too, because we 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 get that that teaching wrong as well. Uh, because Paul talks about how we can judge the saints <laughs> and how there ought to be uh again a standard that we should be looking at. So with that, with that, um uh we will call it a day. And uh it is my hope and prayer that this has encouraged your hearts. All right. God bless. Take care. The only thing God strengthened was my feet and my ankles. But God can do something little that makes a big difference. Somebody in this room has a shout that you've been waiting to get out. And it's not because you live in a mansion. It's because your lights and your water still on in your apartment. It's not that you drive a Maybach. It's not that you purchase a Lamborghini in the pandemic. It's that your Toyota, your Lexus, and your Ford still allow gas and the wheels still roll. You ought to thank God for little blessings that you're still in your right mind, that the bullet missed your baby, that the COVID didn't kill you. Somebody ought to thank God for, you didn't come up in here to look cute. You ought to thank God your ankles are stronger. Somebody put it in the chat online. My ankles are getting stronger. My ankles are getting stronger. God may not change everything, but he can change a little thing that makes a big difference. So y'all see me leaping. But what you don't know is, for over 40 years, I ain't never been able to leap. So now when I leap, I'm saying now unto him who is able to do exceeding and abundantly above all I can ask or think according to the power It got there, but what matters?
matters is where I was when I got marred and I was in the hand of the potter. Is there anybody in the building that can say I'm going to stay in the hand of the potter? I know when you look at me, you think I'm a little messed up. And I know when you look at me, you know some stuff about my past. And how many know some of it might be true? But no matter what you know, I'm still in his hands. I caught a court case, but I'm still in his hands. I was diagnosed with cancer, but I'm still in the potter's hands. And he is not finished with me yet. I gotta get out of here. But is there anybody that doesn't mind saying, do it again? Because the Bible says that God looked at the clay and said, I know it's not everything that I want it to be, but he made it again and seemed fit. Not Palm Sunday faith. Gethsemane faith says, you know what? I know what you can do. You may not do it, but I know you can. That's why Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they told King Nebuchadnezzar, oh, King Nebuchadnezzar, we ain't gonna, we gonna still take a knee during the national anthem, but check this out. Our God is able to deliver us, but if not, we're still not going to bow down because our worship of God is not determined by what God does. It's determined by who God is. And I know who God is. God is the joy and the strength of my life. Moves all pain, misery, and strife. Promise to keep me, never to leave me. Never ever come short of his word. I've got to fast and pray. Stay in the narrow way. God is my all in all. God is a heart fixer. God is a bridge over troubled waters. God is a mind regulator. God is sovereign. God is supreme. God is faithful. God is good. God is great. God is creator. God is sustainer. God is lawyer in trouble. God is doctor who never lost a patient. God is. God is. God is. God is.